pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we ask that we truly would be able to cast our cares upon you and ask you to work in our hearts and lives through the preaching of your word. Give us grace to walk in the way that you would have us to walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, we are in the book of Galatians. And uh, as a uh, as the subject or the overriding theme, uh, we've chosen verse 4 from chapter 1 as, as Paul is giving us the purpose of the gospel, the purpose of the message and the work of Christ. Um, I think we need one up here in the front row there. And, uh, and we have chosen verse 4. It says, "...who gave himself for our sins..." that he might deliver us from this present evil world. This is what God wants to do. And uh, every time I turn around, it just seems that the world can't get any more evil, and it does. Uh, uh, can't even describe the new plant and parenthood Things that are going on, uh, not even the perverse author Mary Shelley in her wildest nightmares could dream what they're actually doing. And uh, we just we we need to be in in prayer, and uh, we need to understand that God has not brought us to earth to fight. There was uh, I saw an article on the. Google News or something, some preacher's holding the uh, AR-15 and says, we need to fight uh, homosexual marriage. Uh, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That is not the way it gets done. And uh, you cannot serve God with your own reasoning. You cannot improve on what's in the Bible. And God says, and Paul says through the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ has come to deliver us, to save us. We do not have to be apart. We do not have to surrender to the world. We need to serve Christ. And we start here as Paul, an apostle, we've got down through verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, Paul finishes his introduction, and then, I mean, it is right into it. Paul doesn't even take a breath. He goes, I marvel, verse 6, that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, Preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of of Christ. Now, there are only a few places in your entire 
Bible where things get as serious as they do right here. And so we start with the word marvel. And uh, most people, when they hear the word marvel today, they think of the next comic book movie. And uh, the, But the word marvel simply means to be filled with astonishment, uh, to, to be uh, struck with surprise. And so, as Paul is writing this letter, he is what we would call in emergency mode. I mean, you could not, uh, in our day and time, something happens, somebody does something, you pick up the phone, you go... What are you doing? Well, Paul didn't have that option. So he sat down and wrote a letter. And he introduces himself and he says, I marvel. He says, I can't believe what I am hearing. This is beyond my the scope of my imagination. He says, that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And it is amazing. Every commentary I read said uh, that this, this is worded wrong in our King James. The tense of the verbs are incorrect. It, it was not that the, uh, the church had removed from the gospel. Paul was warning them, and they built this whole thing out. But you, you miss the pronoun that's in there. They didn't say they were removed from the gospel. What's it say? They were removed from him. And I want us to get this. And you've heard me do this on many, many occasions over the years. But to desert the gospel. Remember, the whole purpose is that Jesus gave himself for our sins and he might deliver us from this present evil world. So God's greatest tool And the thing that he is using to deliver us from this present evil world is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, listen, you are removed from him that hath called you into the grace of Christ. You are moving from Christ. And uh, we'll, we'll get into this a little further down in our outline, but I, I think the best thing to do first is to illustrate it, it, what is being said here. And let's turn to Revelation chapter 2. I believe there's a connection that we ought to make here, something that will help us as the Bible is its own best commentary. Jesus is writing here in Revelation Chapter 2, to the first church on his list, the church at Ephesus, which really wasn't that far. Uh, It was a church in the same uh, uh, area uh, as many of these others, but a great city. Paul had had started a church in Ephesus on his uh, third missionary journey there. 
And it says in verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. What are we supposed to do as Christians? We love him because he first loved us. Amen? And look what the solution to leaving their first love was. Remember verse 5, Therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. He said, you've left your first love. If you want to get this thing fixed, Ephesians, you've got to repent, you've got to turn around, you've got to come back, and you've got to do the first works. And so I put in there, John chapter 15, If ye love me, what? Keep my commandments. What had, the, what had the Galatians done? The churches in Galatia, some of them, not all of them, but they had removed, they had stepped back from the person of Jesus Christ. Do you know what? You can step back. And if we will look through history, if we will just open our eyes, we will see that the world is full of false Christ. There are so many out there. And what is so deceitful, what is so uh, scary, is that they all use the same name. They all talk about being Christ or even Jesus Christ. And yet, if we will take a moment and compare the characteristics of these different Christs that are preached today, we'll find out that just like it happened to the Galatians, they had removed from the person of Christ, and once they did that, they were able to accept another gospel, another way of salvation. Uh, I... I get so I am so troubled by the number of people that say, "Well, we all believe in the same God, and we all believe the same." No, we do not. There are so many differences. We've got to look at them. And, and Paul is saying, "Listen, I I am astounded. It didn't take much. You you have made a disconnection. You have left Him. You have." Moved, you removed from Jesus. By the way, you cannot separate the living word from the written word. There are many people who want to make that separation. They want to make that dichotomy, if you like big words. Uh, and, and the reason they like big words and they like all of these theological terms is because it covers up what is really going on. And all of a sudden, we have... Uh, oh, let me just give one example. We have a man named Alexander Campbell that shows up in the 1820s. Uh, he is ordained as a Presbyterian preacher. You read most of the history books. They'll say that he was a defrocked Baptist minister, which he never was. We never took him because he was a pervert from the very beginning. And he began to develop this thing, 
and, and come up with this idea that water baptism and salvation were one in the same thing. That in order to truly be saved, you have to be baptized in water. We had a guy visit us a while back, and he said, How do you baptize? And that always starts the red lights, uh, flags a-waving, or the sirens going off. I said, uh-oh. If the first question you have when you walk in the doors is baptism, something's not in order. Because the first question is salvation, my friend. The first question is, do you have Jesus Christ? If you have Jesus Christ, you are saved. If you don't, you are not. And he began to press on that issue. And, and so I began to try to figure out where he was. And we were doing a little sparring back and forth. And finally, I just said to him, uh, I said, you, you believe you have to get wet in order to get saved. And uh, he didn't like that. Because people don't like to come face to face that their gospel might be different than what's written down in the Scriptures. Everybody wants to believe that they have the truth. This, this is what happened in the book of Judges. Remember? Every man did that which was wrong in the eyes of the Lord. Well, that's the theme of the book of Judges. But every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, it just happened to be wrong in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, that you can't have both. Uh, it, if it's right in God's eyes, it's not going to come natural or normal to you. Because we cannot attain God's righteousness and holiness by things we are accustomed to, by things that we can do. If that would happen, then why did Jesus die on the cross? It's because we have to make that break with who and what we are. That's why the Bible calls it being born again. Amen? Because it is a brand new life that God gives us at the moment we put our faith and trust in the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that He gave Himself for our sins, that He rose again the third day, that He might deliver us from this present evil world. The Galatians had the truth, but they had taken that first step in not removing themselves from the gospel necessarily, but they removed, they took a step away from him. If you go to chapter 5 and verse 8, it talks about him that hath called us. Um, Let me just read it here. I don't want to misquote it. It says, This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. In verse 6, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now, I want us to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, just a page or two over. In your Bible. 
And Paul is writing to the Corinthians here. And in verse 13, and and this is going to be alluded to. We're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but we'll be okay, I, I trust. It says, in verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 11, it says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, what Paul was getting to right here in this first verse of the letter proper, he says, you're separating yourself from the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you do that, you're going to separate yourself from the truth. And Paul is inferring here, and we'll, we'll get to it, but that not a one of us in this room, in and of ourselves, has the capability of determining between truth and error. That's why God gave us this book called the Bible. Everything we have has to be measured by what's written down. Everything has to be checked. Everything has to be studied by what is in the Bible because people do not meet and worship a false Christ knowingly and purposefully. They do it because they're deceived. They think they're doing what's right. How many of you remember when you used to go to the old church? Before you got saved, you used to go every Sunday, you used to to do exactly what they told you or try to anyway, and there was still that empty feeling inside. There was still something missing. You knew that things weren't right, but you were doing the best that you knew, and you said, this is what my grandmother knew and her grandmother knew or my grandfather, however you want to count your genealogy. Uh, We're doing the best we can But I will promise you this, and it is true. If you want the truth, God will bring it to you. God will bring you face to face with the truth. You still have to make a choice. And Paul is telling the Galatians here. He says, I marvel. He said, I'm shocked. I'm filled. I'm struck with surprise that you are so soon removed. It doesn't take much to take the truth and turn it into a lie. How many of you have ever had problems with mice and cockroaches and, and little things trying to get into your house or apartment? I mean, we have in the building. And uh, it's amazing some of the stuff that they have today. Uh, they'll have a little packet and it just looks like little green, looks like rabbit food that we used to feed the rabbit when I was a kid. And, and I'm always one of those guys, I like to read what's in it. And it says, active ingredients. And there's a name about this long, condensed into superfine print. You can read. 
and it says active ingredient da 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 point zero 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 one percent. Do you know how little that is? I mean, you're sitting there going, "There's nothing in this." Oh yeah, there is. There's cornmeal and sugar and things to smell nice. So that Mr. and Mrs. Mousy is there running around inside your house when you're not looking, going, hmm, something smells good. And all they have to do, the exterminator told us the stuff he uses here, he said, all they have to do is take one bite and they're gone. Wow. That's powerful stuff. But it's like 99.99% good things it wouldn't hurt any of us to ingest. It's just that little tiny bit of poison. And I'll tell you what, it gets the job done. And a lot of people are going to find themselves on the wrong side of eternity. Because of that point zero, whatever it is, percent. And that's why Paul is writing in such a fervor to the Galatians. Because once you step away from Christ, you are embracing the false Christ. Once you step away from truth, you are embracing, and please understand the Bible correctly, if you have the truth, if you have Bible salvation, you can't lose it. Amen? Uh, God will not take it away from you. But stop and think about the process that it took you to get saved. You know, not everybody gets saved the first time they hear the gospel, do they? Some people have to hear it over and over and over again. Uh, we've had many people in the history of our church, after several years, they'll, they'll come and say, Pastor, I, I don't think I was ever really saved. And, and I'll tell you, the last thing that I'm going to do is tell you to pray a prayer to make sure. That's not faith. You've got to make a decision. Either you're saved or you're lost. You can't be halfway in between. There is nothing there. And once you have Christ... You have the truth. If the devil can't take away your soul, he wants to take away your service. He wants to hinder you. He, you know, we have... Well, I'm going to keep moving here. But once you step away from God's grace... You are embracing the lie, whether you want to or not. You are changing what you believed. And so Paul goes here, and in verse 7, it's, it's amazing how many people get confused by this. It says, unto another gospel which is not another. Now, all Paul is saying is, you're substituting something for the gospel. That's what he meant by another gospel. But there's no such thing as another gospel. There's only one good news. 
That is that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. That's the only good news that there is. That is the only gospel message. It is that simple. What makes it complicated is all the things that we add to it. I often tell people, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is very simple. Stopping believing in everything else, that gets complicated. But don't I have to do some good work? No, I do good works because I am saved, not to get there. But, but, but shouldn't I go to church? Well, of course you should go to church. But that's, church's main place is after salvation, not before. It's a place to tell you how to get saved. But the, the, where the church really kicks in and where it does you the most good is it's the nursery. It's the incubation place. It's where the new babes in Christ learn and grow and get trained in the right things. Um, uh, I've met people over the years and, and they'll begin talking about Jesus and then all of a sudden up comes family radio. Now, not so much anymore. Mr. Camping made such a blithering mess of things that most people don't follow him anymore. But, see, he says that Jesus only died for the elect and that the only way you can get saved is just fall down on your face and cry out for God's mercy. And if he chooses to save you, you'll be saved. And if he doesn't, it doesn't matter anyway. And uh, I remember him telling a lady, uh, I heard it on the thing. I was the mechanic at the bus garage at Cleveland. I threw a wrench at the radio. I was just so angry at what he was saying. He told this lady because she had not gone to church and had her baby baptized that he was in hell because he died before she had a chance to baptize him. That's not in the Bible. Now, that's in John Calvin's commentaries, but that's not in your Bible. That is another gospel. And by the way, it's not another gospel. There's nothing good news about that. That is bizarre. How a man could do something like that when the Bible is so full of the truth. And Paul says there is no other gospel. He said, but there are some, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. That is what the devil has tried to do from day one. There are people who believe. Uh, I've read it in Ellen G. White's books, the head of the, the founder of the what is now called the Seventh-day Adventist movement. She says, you get saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, wow, I didn't know she believed that. But you keep it by doing good works. Oh, so if I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I believe that I keep that salvation that he has given me by the things that I do, where is the ultimate resting place of my faith? In my ability to keep his works. That faith 
will not save you. It will not get you to heaven. Faith is not based on what you do. It's based on it is finished, what Jesus has done. People talk about Jesus. The standard Protestant answer today is, well, you need to come to Jesus and be sorry for your sin and do the best you can and God will understand. Could I ask you a question? When has ever the best that you could do been satisfactory with God? Would anyone like to try to answer that question? That was the battle of Cain and Abel. Cain said, listen, here is the best that I can do. And God said, I have no respect for your offering, Cain. Abel brought that innocent lamb and went through that horrible ceremony of killing the lamb and draining its blood and pouring it out around the altar and cutting up the lamb and putting it on the fire and watching the fire consume that little animal, that little lovely animal that had never done anything wrong. He killed it. He had blood on his hands. He had stains on his hands from handling the, the uh, not to get too graphic here, the entrails, the, the insides of the animal as he would put it on the altar. And, you know, uh, you take a nice piece of meat and put it on a frying pan with a little garlic, a little onions. Boy, that smells good. But you take that same thing and just throw it in the fire. You might get one little whiff of that fat burning up smelling good, but pretty soon it starts smelling like charcoal. And uh, if you've ever had uh, an old woolen carpet and, and threw it on the fire to burn it up, or woolen furniture, boy, I'll tell you what, there's very few things in life that stink worse than that wool and those natural fibers burning on the fire. It's not pleasant. God never intended it to be. He wanted that arsed smell to linger in the nostrils of the person offering the sacrifice to get just a little grip on how offensive our sin is toward God. That's why they had all those sacrifices. You know, sometimes I, I, I think that or wonder as a pastor, would, would it be good for us just to walk through the ritual to see? But the uh, people for the prevention of cruelty to animals would put us under arrest and throw us in jail. And the fire department would be down here to close us down for illegal fires. And I mean everybody and their brother. And the other thing is, The physical carrying out of that thing will not add to your faith. Faith is believing God's Word because it says so. And that's what Paul's trying to get across. He said, there's some that trouble you. He said, they trouble you because they're changing 
the truth. They're changing what is real. And you, you, you study, quote unquote, they call it church history. Uh, I, I love to study some history. I love to study true church history. But the false church, you know how you follow its history? Church councils. You know who called the first church council? And don't tell me the council at Jerusalem. That was not a church council. It was Constantine, the emperor. And he got all the people together and he said, I'm a Christian now. Well, the only problem was, Constantine wasn't baptized. You know why he wasn't baptized? Because he had no faith in Jesus Christ at all. There was nobody who believed in Jesus that would baptize the emperor. But he said, I'm a Christian. You know what a lot of people did? They said, oh, good. No more persecution. We'll be free to worship Christ. Wrong. We'll be free to worship Christ as Emperor Constantine directs. I mean, I I like to think about the Holy Land and all of those places, but the majority of the places that you go in the Holy Land were places that were picked out by Constantine's mother as she would have a vision, had nothing to do with the Bible, Oh, this is the spot where Jesus was born. And they built a church there. And that's where people gathered today in Bethlehem on Christmas Eve to welcome at the church of the Holy Sepulchre. Is that the spot where Jesus was born? Your guess would be as good as mine, but my thought is that if someone who wasn't even saved picked the spot, probably not the right place. And even if it is, does it matter? Because my faith isn't in things I can touch and see. My faith is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's who the Galatians stepped away from first because those people that perverted the gospel, that troubled them, took their focus off of Jesus Christ and put it on something else. I've had people come over the years and they'll say, Pastor, I'm I'm just struggling with the issue of my salvation. But I believe I'm saved because I love the Word of God and church gets me excited. And and I'll say, wait a minute. I don't recommend that you do this. But go to St. Pat's Cathedral Sunday morning. Somewhere between Saturday night, midnight, and and Sunday morning high church, they have somewhere around 10,000 people show up for Mass every Sunday morning. That's a lot of people. Do those people show up saying, Oh, we know this is fake. We know it's not real. We don't believe in anything. No, they believe that they're making contact with God and that if they don't do those things and fulfill those rituals, they will not be able to go to heaven someday. 
And yet the best hope that the Catholic Church offers is time in purgatory, which is just like hell, only it's temporary. Where you can take care of everything that you didn't get done here on earth. I'm sorry, but how human does that sound to you? How human does that sound? Everything we do. Well, this is the unalterable law of the means and the purgings which altereth not, except on the first Tuesday of every month between 9 and 10 a.m. at the gathering, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. You know what? God's laws don't change. But if you change them the least little bit, they stop being your laws. How many remember what Eve did in the garden? The serpent appeared and said, Did God really say you can't eat of all these trees? I mean, look at all these trees here, and you can't touch a single one. And Eve doesn't even listen to the lie that is in the question. She said, no, no, we can eat of all the trees except one. And God says, you can't eat it, neither can you touch it. Now, is that what God said? No. God had said, don't eat it. You know what Eve did? She took a step back. And she said, if I never touch it, I'll never eat it. Does that make sense to you? Well, it most certainly does. I mean, that is perfect human reasoning. But it was the very conduit that led her into sin and disobedience. Because human reasoning added to God's law changes it from God's law. And that's what Paul, and it troubled the whole human race. Because her husband, Adam, was standing right there. He was not tricked. He did it anyway. The Bible does not blame Eve. The Bible blames Adam. You see, here's what Paul says. But though we, or an angel, verse 8, from heaven... Preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. As we said before, in verse 8, So say I now again, If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Now that term, let him be accursed, means let him be condemned to hell forever. Now, in modern English, the word damn, D-A-M-N, is a prefix to anything that you don't happen to like at the moment. It can be the traffic, it can be the, uh, the stove, it can be your friend, it can be anybody. It's a curse word. But that word means condemned to hell forever. No Christian 
No believer in Christ ever has the right or reason to use that word. Never. Paul uses it here. He says, let him be accursed. That same word. Condemned to hell forever. Why? Because he troubled you by changing the truth of God into a lie. We don't have time tonight, but that's why when you go down through the letters to the churches, he approaches this one church and he says to the rest of them in this church that have not known the depths of Satan. What are the depths of Satan? Jezebel was teaching false doctrine in the church of Jesus Christ. That's the depths of Satan, my friend. The depths of Satan is not in the nightclubs and not in the evil dives and the drug dens. The depths of Satan is where people come and sit in the name of Jesus Christ. But it's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's a different one. It's a Jesus that needs his mother to help him out. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's a Jesus that won't accept you unless you can perform certain acts and certain rituals and you can come up and experience certain phenomena. If you can't do that, you're not saved. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Paul says, listen, if we come back and we change the message, you're to pronounce this curse upon us and treat us as if we were Utterly forlorn of the grace of God. Paul said, if an angel appeared to you from heaven and told you something different. Now, here's the two characteristics of the true gospel. Number one, Paul says, I preached it to you. Read Acts 13 and 14. Paul came through and he preached Jesus to these churches. He said, if it's any different than that message... It's not from God. It's a curse. And then he said, I'm not saying it once. I'm saying it twice. As we said before, I'm saying it again. If any man preach any other gospel than that which he have received, there's a second characteristic. How did you get saved? Number one, Paul preached it the first time he was there. The Galatians had it. He said, did you get saved? Did you receive it? Those are the two characteristics of the truth. Paul's telling the Galatians. It's not something new. It's not something you don't have. It's not something new and improved. Everything that you need, you always have it. Jesus himself taught that there'd be many false Christs. There'd be many that would offer different ways of salvation. It's amazing that in both verses, the method of presenting the truth and the method of presenting the lie is exactly the same. It's preaching. You see, God has no other method of presenting His truth. It's to be done by preaching through His church. 
Because that's the place where the preaching is supposed to come from. Preachers are ordained by churches to go out and start new churches. And that's how the gospel is brought forth. And this is the standard of truth. Paul died before 70 A.D. He was murdered by the wicked, perverted Caesar Nero in Rome. Somewhere around 65, 68 A.D. It depends on whose thing you look at. But the Galatian church already had the truth. And to depart from it in the smallest fraction was to bring the most horrid curse in all the Bible upon the preacher of that false doctrine. That's pretty serious stuff, my friend. And Paul ends this little passage by saying, in verse 10, For do I now persuade men or God? He said, Who am I trying to convince here? He said, Who am I trying to please? He said, If I was trying to make you happy, he said, I'd, become, I'd have to join them that trouble you and them that pervert the gospel of Christ. He said, I'm seeking to please God because I'm, I brought you God's message. That's all you need. Could we rejoice in that fact? Could we be thankful of how simple the gospel is? That's what Paul's really telling the Galatians. The gospel is what will deliver you from this present evil world. How many of you could say, Preacher, I've been delivered. Jesus has saved my soul. You say amen to that? But how many of you have been tempted to let off a little bit? To change it just a little bit. I remember getting a letter from a preacher years ago. It was a church that had actually supported us and helped us. And it says, we're having big changes. And it gave the name of the church. It says, we have two books now. We have the purpose-driven life and our Bible. And everything changed at that church. In the letter he went on, what we taught you about dress standards and being different than the world was wrong. You can dress any way you want and please God. What we taught you about music was wrong. Any type of music that man has produced can be used to glorify God. Now, I'll tell you what, they didn't get that out of the Bible. They got that out of the purpose-driven life. And their whole church changed. If you come to Jesus to get saved, and you can keep all of your sin, all of your wicked habits, all of your problems, what did you get saved from, my friend? You see, that's how 
dangerous. That's how demonic this changing of the gospel is. Just a few words. The Jehovah's Witness cult, uh, who is famous for their unbelief in Jesus Christ being who He said He is, they changed one word in the text. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. They inserted that article in there. And to them, that satisfied them that Jesus is not the Son of God. And that A will condemn you to hell forever. Because it's not another gospel. There's no good news in A, Jesus Christ. There is only good news in thee, Jesus Christ. There is only good news in the fact that it is finished and I had no part in it. The only good news is that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He gave himself for my sins. How? According to the scriptures. The reference is there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. All I did was believe. And you know what? He saved me. He didn't save me because I'm a good preacher. He saved me because I was a sinner. Any, any good preaching I've done is not because of me. It's because of the book called the Bible. Any good thing that's happened in my life is not because of me and my choices, it's because I just simply said yes to what is printed in this book. I had people, once in a while, I'll run into somebody else, say they're unsaved, and they, they look and they say, but I, I want what you have. I want a good wife, and I want a good family, and I, I want all of these things. You're so lucky. And I say, no, that has nothing to do with it. It's not luck. It's not my choices. It was saying yes to His Word and His choices. You see, He did all the work of saving me. He does all the work of keeping me. He does all the work that is done, that is good. Because it's all about Jesus. It is zero about me. I'm just the bucket. And that's what He wants you to be. But He wants to fill you with His love. But He wants to get you so full that it runs out the top. And bumps into somebody else who's dry and empty. They say, where do you get all that from? It's not me, it's it's Jesus. Would you stop believing in what you can do? Would you stop believing in a Jesus Christ? Would you stop believing in all these things that somebody told you? And just take what is true. You see, when Jesus saves you, He does it all the way. You don't live perfect. But you know, when you don't live perfect, where do you go? Back to Jesus. Because he knew every wrong thing I did before he saved me. That doesn't give me a license to go do wrong things. 
But my trust is not in me. It's in Jesus. Could we walk in that truth? That's what Paul was trying to get. If you want to be delivered from this present evil world, that's where you have to start. If the devil can do anything to you, he wants to keep you from the gospel. If you get the gospel and get saved, he wants to rob you of the joy and the simplicity that is in Christ. And that's what the rest of this book is about. He wants to deliver, Jesus wants to deliver you from this present evil world. But the only way you get saved is through Jesus Christ. And you can't move once you're there. You know why? Because He's got a hold of you. If you'll let Him. Some people spend their whole life fighting against God. You know what? God says, if we believe not, he abideth faithful, he cannot deny his own. You can just be the most miserable person in the world if you want to be. But if you want the joy, just stay close to Jesus. Don't move. Don't move. Because if you do, it's like the North Pole. Once you get there, you can't go anywhere but south. Once you get to Jesus, you can't go anywhere but wrong. You can't. You've got to stay right there. And Paul's saying, listen, I'm not saying this to please you. I'm not saying this to please anybody. I'm saying this so that you can understand God's message. Because if you don't get this, Galatians, everything else is lost. Forever and ever and ever. But you have the truth. Because I brought it to you. And you received it. Hold on to what you got. And you know what you'll find out? That Christ is holding on to you. That's a whole other sermon, Philippians chapter 3. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we look at these few verses tonight. And Lord, I ask that you would use them to encourage us not to look for anything but what we got. To just keep our eyes on Jesus. To understand that there's nothing more, there's nothing less. It is all of Him. I ask you to work in our hearts and our lives. Lord, let us not be troubled. Let us not, as the Galatians were, soon moved from Him. They were leaving Jesus to embrace something called a gospel that wasn't good at all. Lord, I pray that you would keep us in your word and in your grace. You've called us.
you will keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, we'll just have the piano play, our heads are bowed, the altar.